Welcome back to Garage Talk. I'm your host, Josh Lill, alongside Brendan Merkel, Mark Fisher, Maddie Anderson, and Braden Robinson. Today, we have a lot to talk about. We're going to start off with a Super Bowl recap, get everyone's takes, and see if they thought the game went the way it should. We'll also touch in on the MLB's biggest trades and how they will affect the upcoming season, as well as teams. And then later on in the podcast, we'll get to the top five picks in the NBA draft, and we will discuss and elaborate on the fact that are they living up to their full potential of what they should have been. Let's get into Garage Talk. Okay, guys, uh, Super Bowl, 31-9, to Tampa took that win. My score was way off. I said 45-42. Uh, Chiefs. Yeah, I, yeah, and I said Chiefs too, so I really, really butchered that. Uh, Braden, let's start with you. Uh, I think all our scores got a little messed up with the, the no touchdowns for the Chiefs. Uh, I think the defense for Tampa Bay did exactly what we thought that they would do. They came with the blitz and those those two tackles that weren't in for the Chiefs, the starting tackles, obviously got taken advantage of. And uh, I saw that Mahomes ran for 497 yards pre-pass. Just running in the backfield. Oh, That's so crazy. Like from the yeah. box pass from, rush, yeah. basically. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> That's I think insane. he was pressured on all but three, three, three throws. That's what I was trying to say. Yeah, <laughs> that's crazy. It was definitely uh, you could tell the difference in the line of scrimmage because, like, it really seemed like every single snap Mahomes was running for his life back there. Yeah. And coming off of like two weeks ago when he injured his toe, he had turf toe, or whatever. That's not what you want from your quarterback. Yeah. Who's probably he's probably still recovering from it. You guess it. He was so, limping. Yeah, he was he was limping like soon into the game. It yeah. felt like, which you know, I was calling that. I was like, if the Chiefs lose this, you bet you're going to see a walking boot on the home post game. Which actually I don't even know, but it was uh, he was not getting much help out there on the offensive line. Yeah, it it really all started with the Bucks defensive line. Um, it, when you look at the pressure stats for the Chiefs compared to the Bucks, it really did match up with what the final score was. Um, and I think it shows a lot of teams out there that you can have an elite quarterback, you can have elite wide receivers, you can have the best offense in the NFL, but defense does win championships. And if you don't have a solid defense, I don't think you're going anywhere. Yeah, Levante David and Devin White. Dalma Kongsu, Antoine Winfield, Shaq Barrett, everybody took that game over. Jason Pierre-Paul, that defense, I did not, I can personally say I did not see that coming. They covered Tyreek Hill perfectly that game. Had double coverage, and then they put Levante David, I, I believe, or Devin White on Travis Kelsey, locked him down. And when you lock those two down, uh, it's those are Mahomes' priorities he wants to throw to. Those are the guys... That you know, that's his first two options, and then after that, you don't really have, you know, the best options. The running backs, they're okay. You know, Clyde Edwards Hilaire and uh, uh, Devin or Williams or whatever his first name is. Uh, they aren't the most reliable options. It's not like you're throwing uh, to. I'll just throw an example out there, like the Patriots when they had Sony Michelle and James White working with Tom Brady. They didn't really have that luxury, in my opinion. So taking away Hill and Kelsey was huge. But let me say this. I think Patrick Mahomes threw the greatest seven incompletions we've ever seen. 
And that was the story of the game. Yeah. It really was. Did you, when he was parallel with the ground, <sighs> threw the ball 35 yards down the field at, was it Tyreek? Yeah, it was a running back. It was a running back. back. It was yeah. a running back. It was the Hit him in the guy. face mask. Yeah. yeah. Dead in the face mask. Also, the one pass when he was being like dragged down by Vita Vea, mm-hmm. it's just somehow threw like a perfect dime straight to like the back corner pylon. I couldn't believe that. He literally threw it up blind. I thought he, I thought he caught that. Yeah, me too. Yeah, it should have been caught. It was people were saying it was like, oh, it wasn't catchable. But if you, if it hits the pylon, that's catchable in my opinion. Yeah. yeah. He threw some some video game throws. It was like a glitch, and you just comes out the hand, and it's a perfect ball. <laughs> it was like the Ryan Fitzpatrick when he was like. Couldn't see when yeah. somebody was pulling down his face mask. Just mm-hmm. hail Mary chucks it. The way that back to the Bucks defense, the way that Devin White went like step for step with Tyreek Hill on the edge was incredible. I thought he was literally tracking him down every time he was handed the ball in the flat and wouldn't let him get around him. Like either push him out of bounds or got a tackle every time. And I thought that was a huge part of keeping that offense in check. Was it Winfield who gave the peace sign? He's my new yeah. favorite player. Yeah. <laughs> he is. That was that was fun to see, because that was that was the last time they played each other, right? Yeah, yep. that was the flip into the end zone. Oh, and, and he did it like upside sign. down too, because yeah. That was the greatest thing I've ever seen in the last five years. <laughs> that is a good redemption story right there. And, and he, a rookie too, for yeah. a rookie to do that. And they gave him the penalty for it. I said, that's a good penalty. You got to let him know Absolutely. that you're here. I take that penalty every time. If I could do that to Tyreek Hill, I, oh, I, I, not that I could stop Tyreek Hill like Antoine Winfield. If I was guarding Tyreek Hill, <laughs> I'd have 80 yards in personal foul penalties. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't hold him every single play. I'd have 160. <laughs> it, it's, and to be fair to Tyreek Hill, it wasn't just Winfield. He was getting, you know, double teamed, shadowed the entire game. But also, like, just limiting him. He's the fastest person in the NFL. One of the fastest, maybe, in the world. So Land mammals. You're, you're <laughs> allowed to taunt regardless. Yes. So. Let me ask you guys a question. Do you think that was Brady's last Super Bowl? No. no. He said he's coming back. I know. I know he's Super coming back. Super Bowl but do you think no. he'll get back? Oh. Yeah, he'll get back. You think? I think so. Yeah. I saw the odds. The Bucks were like the fourth team for odds wise. Why? Why would anybody leave? I don't know. Everyone said Evans. they wanted to come back. Yeah. Mike Evans said he was going to take a contract hit. Yeah. Yeah. And that—that's something that for me, I really, really wish the NFL had more of that. Guys that would take cuts to let, you know, bring more guys in to really make a good team instead of everyone. Or fifty million per two months or whatever. That happened on the Patriots quite a bit too. Mm-hmm. But that's also because they won six rings. So yeah. Eventually, guys are like, you know what? I'm fine with winning and taking a little less money. Exactly. And uh, it's a Brady effect, right? Exactly. So, obviously, we were all kind of shot. We were all expecting a closer game. Uh, definitely, the Chiefs not getting a touchdown was something that took us all by storm. But we all acknowledged that the Bucks defense was gonna. It was going to be the main. It was going to be the X factor in terms of keeping yeah. them in the game. We all basically said that, and uh, I think we predicted a good game. It was a, we watched a good game, and damn, that was a good celebration today with Tom Brady throwing the trophy <laughs> from to, from his boat to Gronk's boat. Yeah, I think it was a good game unless you're a Chiefs fan, right? 
What do you what do you think about the uh, the Brady and Matthew beef during the game? Oh yeah. Didn't he like text him like Brady texted Matthew? After yeah, but like he Brady told him that he was gonna come after him the rest of the game. Like and he was throwing it when he threw the, that touchdown to Antonio Brown. Oh you're right. It was it was at him. That's so gold, dude. <laughs> it's uh. It. The, there was this thing on Instagram and it was the picture of uh, Tom Brady in like Super Bowl Forty Nine, the Malcolm <clears throat> Butler game. And they were losing, and he's like sitting on the bench, hunched over. And then in Super Bowl Fifty One, there's the picture of him hunched over. And then even in this one, there's a picture of him doing that as well. And it's like yeah. when Brady's hunched over on the bench, uh, it's like, you're yeah. done. It's, it's like the LeBron getting glare. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're done. Yeah. like you can't do anything about it. No, I feel like we haven't like touched on the most like important thing that I feel like a lot of people were uh, discussing for the game which was the referees and the, yeah. the calls because yeah. they got a lot of heat for that. You guys think uh, you guys think that like cost the Chiefs the game or, or what? I think I don't think it was the refs that cost the Chiefs the game. Mm-hmm. It was the Chiefs that mm-hmm. yeah. cost them yeah. the game because all the penalties that they threw except for the ball that was thrown out of the back of the end zone. Yeah. yeah. We're all valid. Yeah. We're all valid penalties, I feel like. The the commentators like it was early on in the game first quarter, I think. They uh they were like they're the defense is known for holding. And yeah. so all those calls showed. Yeah. Yeah. And the, there was the one um right after Matthew picked off Brady, they called like holding on someone. That I think that one went down as a pretty bad call. I think they reviewed that. Mm-hmm. Or at least they looked at it, you know, on the broadcast, and the commentators were not happy about that one. But at the same time, that same drive was like they had that one where uh, one of the Chiefs cornerbacks, like Breland, tripped Mike Evans. Yeah, that was yes. like thirty yards. Yeah. Yeah. You had like Bruce Arians called like a or not Bruce Arians, Andy Reid called like a horrible timeout when they were within like the five yard line with like two minutes left in the first. Oh yeah, half. yeah. So it's like they made a lot of own mistakes. That it's like. You can blame some of the refs' calls as much as you want, but at the end of the day, like you gotta go back and look at you know some of these things that your team like was doing to themselves. So. The offense still didn't do anything for the Chiefs. So. Yeah, refs didn't cause Mahomes to not throw a touchdown. Yeah, so. yeah. I think it, you know, like you said, at the end of the day, and like Mark referred to, the Chiefs lost that game. Um, not so much Mahomes because that man gave everything. He left it all on the field. As much, even though you know he didn't put up any touchdowns, he wasn't getting a lot of yards. He tried to make anything happen, and it just wasn't there. A couple of those balls, like I said, some of the best incompletions I have ever seen were very catchable. And one of them, the running back Williams, could have had one in the end zone, I believe, or at least on the one yard line. Yeah. That offensive line and that defense lost the Chiefs. Or uh, lost the game for the Chiefs. I agree. So, Braden, this offseason has been a crazy one for the MLB. One for the ages, as I'd like to say. Uh, Hugh Darvish, Blake Snell, and Joe Musgrove heading to the Padres. Nolan Arenado to the Cardinals. Trevor Bauer to the Dodgers. It, I can't handle it. You got to give us some updates here. Like, fill us in. Yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty insane. All these big names on, on new teams. Uh, you also got Lindor going to the Mets, um, Springer to the Blue Jays, along with Kirby Yates, uh, Steven Matz, the starting pitcher, 
Um, Marcus Simeon just went over there too. It's a it's a young team that could actually make something happen this year. Um, yeah, to touch on the Padres, they're they're now stacked on pitching. Yes. Um, and with the with the offensive boom that they had last season, it, they can make an even better run than they had last season. Uh, with Arenado going to the Cardinals, um, they just lost their second baseman. Tommy Pham, he went signed mm-hmm. with Milwaukee. But uh, you got Yachty and Wainwright coming back, the two old heads. Yep. Uh, Plus you have Carl, Carlos Martinez, if I'm correct, in yeah, there. he's still there. Um, Bauer to the Dodgers was crazy. Everybody Dodgers. thought he was going to the Mets. Everybody thought he was going to the Dodgers. Oh, I said Dodgers. I said that last week. Uh, <laughs> the, the Mets actually offered him more, but he went to the Dodgers. Um I mean, that's where he went to school in UCLA, so he's going back home. And he's soft. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, it's going to be a wild season. So, I got one question. Because the Padres have kind of stolen the off season, As in, like, they're, they've made, like, the most moves. They made a lot of moves early on. How, as a Padres fan, is it, how depressing is it to just see Bauer go? I think I think you're okay with it. You, you got so? you got three starting pitchers that are now going to be in your rotation. You have Mike Clevenger, not this season because he he had uh, arm problems. He's injured, but uh, you got these three pitchers that are going to do really well for your team. Yeah. yeah, and these guys, if you look at their stats, their potential five their, their five man rotation for pitching, these guys. Their numbers last year, they combined for at least 50 wins, Yeah, you, which is Darvish. unbelievable. You, Darvish, and Blake Snell pitch really well. The Musgrove went 11-7 and seven last year. Yeah. Also, you know, a nice third guy there. Not, obviously, an, an ace, maybe for the Pirates, but, you know, that's the Pirates. <laughs> but the Padres are looking really dangerous. I cannot wait to watch the NL West. I think it'd be a little more interesting, obviously, if Arenado is still there because he gives the Rockies that spark. But the Dodgers and Padres. The Dodgers, those, oh those, goodness. those two pitching rotations are going to be crazy. For the Dodgers, you got Kershaw, Bueller, Bauer, David Price, and uh, can't think of the fifth right now. It's like the Avengers, dude. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> so it's now the same with the Padres. It reminds me of the Warriors. Yeah. Literally. Just stacked teams. Those two, although they're in the same division, they're going to go crazy head to head. Oh, uh, Dust, you got Dustin May. Yeah, well, yeah, uh, that's the fifth. Yeah. Or Julio uh, Urias. Yeah. So they they have a, they basically have a six man rotation. Yeah. That is unbelievable. Yeah. So that that division is going to be very competitive, folks. If you're ever bored on any night, you got to turn on the Dodgers or the Padres because those two, even if they're not playing head to head, every game is going to have so so much significant meaning because you know if you don't win the division, you're in the wild card. And then, you know, you lose the home advantage to vice versa, whoever wins the NL West. Now shifting to the Central. As a Cubs fan, this hurt me deeply because last year I was hoping for a Chris Bryant, Arenado swap trade with some cash in there. Obviously, that always helps. But, you know, in Chicago, just like the double doing, just like Derrick Rose leaving, you don't get things you want in life sometimes. So, Arenado going to this team, this stacks up that infield, even with... To me, even with an older Yadier Molina, who's still effective, in my opinion, that pitching rotation that we touched on with uh, Martinez, Wainwright, 
Flaherty? Am I yeah. missing anybody? I mean, those are three main, the top three. Those are your top three, yeah. And then you got guys like... Uh, you got Paul Goldschmidt on first base. Colton Wong's still there, if I'm correct. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Paul DeYoung at third. Oh, no. Colton Wong is the one that went to Milwaukee. Yeah. Oh. Tommy Pham went to the Padres. He was there last year. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, that was on me. That was on me. And then the, the outfield is still good. If yeah. I'm correct, Harrison Bader's still mm-hmm. there. Guys, the thing is, what I've seen from the Cardinals, because obviously, you know, you watch them play a lot if you're an NL Central fan. It's a, it's a lot of farm stuff. Yeah. To me, at least. Yeah, that's I mean, the most impressive, honestly. Yeah. Exactly. I, I think it was an awful trade for the Rockies because oh, they gave up a ton of money, too, to the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. But And Trevor Story's now not very happy there, so he's probably going to go here soon. Maybe mm-hmm. not this season, but upcoming. Yeah, they're looking great. And the thing is, they have that veteran leadership. They have that veteran leadership on the mound, which is key, especially with a guy like Wainwright, who has been to championships with Yadier Molina. And they're still a dynamic duo, those two. They could still, you know, they still win games and stuff. And I wouldn't, I honestly think the Cardinals really got a shot this year to win the Central. I feel like they finally got the pieces together to get them back to the World Series and contend and win it. And as a Cubs fan, I, I am dying. Saying that, but you know what? They gotta, you gotta say the news. You gotta give the people uh, the correct news, and they are truly, truly impressive to see uh, what they've done over the past several off seasons. So we've talked about the Mets as a potential sleeper team. Yeah. Talked about a couple other good teams. I say we hear about possibly some other ones, maybe ending in two teams ending in socks that might be uh, on the uprise this season, possibly looking to win some games. Yeah, well, the Red Sox starting off their rehiring of Alex Cora, I think that immediately makes them a contender um, in their division just because he's such a good manager. Um, And I know Chris Sale is kind of banged up right now, but once they get him back in the rotation, like midseason, I think their offense and – Chris Sale and that pitching rotation can kind of make a dent in that division. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know about the Red Sox there. Yeah. Uh, they need to break it too. The, the only pickup that they really got this off season was Kike Hernandez, and I mean, he's... you say that now, okay? <laughs> but you I say mean, that we, now. We have buddy. to look at the division here. You have the reigning runups for the World Series. Granted, Tampa did lose Blake Snell, but they still have most of the guys. If I'm yeah. correct, Braden, Toronto. Yeah, we'll Toronto get to them. And the Yankees. And the Yankees. Yankees re-sign LeMayhew and add Corey Kluber. Screw the Yankees, dude. <laughs> but here's the thing. You will probably be better than the Baltimore Orioles, so that, that's something to look forward hey, to. I don't know. They, they might be on the come-up. Now, that is a team that has been You're going to say the Orioles are on the come-up, over, over and you're going to shoot down the Red Sox. Red Sox. They yeah. have been so terrible that those picks are going to add up. Just like how the Cubs won the World Series, yeah. folks. Took him 106 years. Eight. But then... Oh, sorry. I'm sorry I gave you a little advantage. (laughs) (laughs) Then if we shift to the the NL East, I think the Braves Braves and the Mets are going to fight for a spot there. It's going to be tough in there, too. Yeah, that rotation is still solid. Jacob deGrom obviously leading that charge with uh, no Syndergaard, if I'm correct. Yeah, and Uh, Stroman. Yeah, and obviously Steven Matt's leaving. Yeah. It's kind it's kind of weird to see because I remember about 5 years ago when that rotation was scary. You had 
Jacob DeGrom, you had Thor and Noah Syndergaard, you had the Dark Knight with yeah. uh, Harvey, yeah. Steven Matz, and um, I think I'm missing somebody. I remember the fifth, but you hit all those. Yeah, that, that, that team was scary with Danny Murphy Yeah, and all them guys, and uh, David Wright. Murphy and, retired, didn't he? Yeah. Mm-hmm, he just retired. So to see that team. Soto Petroya. Yeah, I saw for the Red Sox. Bring that up too. Yeah. But for me to see the Mets go from being so high up there to down low and it's really starting them to find their identity coming back yeah. here, obviously centered around Lindor as their leader, that says a lot to me about how they're trying to change and uh, not make baseball just in the Bronx. you got to bring it to Queens too. <laughs> so we've touched on the Cubs a little bit, but there's probably we're probably taking a step back in the Chicago yeah. rankings this year. Yeah, it's... Yeah, the White Sox definitely are going to take uh, baseball this year, for me at least, because they finally got that rotation that they need. They got a lot of bullpen people. And Maddie. Uh, they picked up Liam Hendricks. Exactly. They did. Maddie, you want to touch on the Sox? We got a Sox fan here. We got a crosstown duo. I do, duo I do, here. we do. I still think people are sleeping on the White Sox. Um, nobody wants to admit that the White Sox are going to become Chicago's new team. But I will say that because I proudly believe that the White Sox will be taking over all of Chicago and not just the South Side. Um, they did some work this offseason. Signing Liam Hendricks was huge. We do need, or we needed another closing pitcher, and I believe that might just be the last piece of the puzzle. Um, we also have a stacked bullpen. Um, just our starters: Lucas Giolito, Dallas Keuchel, Dane it's Dunning. It's seven o'clock. It's seven o'clock, everybody. <laughs> Dane Dunning, Dylan Cease, Michael Kopech. If he comes back, I'm still iffy on him. Uh, Ronaldo Lopez and Carlos Rondon, that that lineup is just insane. It's the, same with the relievers, the Aaron Bummer, Garrett Crochet. I think pitching is going to be a huge factor for the White Sox this season. But I agree, and I feel like they have the firepower too. After somehow, and I think obviously, uh, even though it was three ish, four years ago, that Eloy Jimenez trade. For Jose Quintana, I, I thought huge. the Cubs yes. were going to win that trade because I'm like, this is the year after the World Series. They got that fifth starter that they needed because John Lackey was good and all. Uh, but Jose Quintana had a nice breaking ball, a nice two-seam and change-up running for him. And I thought we would, we would win that trade. And then when Eloy Jimenez hit that game-winning home run in the ninth inning, the first time he played the Cubs... I really that was just the cherry on top. I knew that it's only downhill from here, and it might be another 108 years. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but the White Sox definitely have hit every position on all cylinders, especially with Jose Breu. Hey, yes. And Roberto in center. Yeah, hey, the Cubs got Jack Peterson. Uh, <laughs> wow. Um, yeah, yeah, we have Jack Peterson. Quintana, yeah. Quintana's now with the Angels, too. Yep, and we got... Uh, Lester is going, going to the Nats. Oh, you guys are giving me such good You're just all gone. And and we got a bag of change, basically, <laughs> for you, Darvish. Oh, and Tyler Chatwood. Oh, yeah. He's, he's with the Blue Jays hey, now, too. we got Kyle Hendricks. We, we can... have Alec Mills, our one uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. later thrower from last year, so it's only going to come up from there, right? Uh, but the Cubs, I mean, we I think we all know their opening day lineup. Hendricks is pitching. Your outfield is Hap, Peterson, Hayward, your infields. Baez, Bryant, uh, Horner, Rizzo, Contreras behind the plate, and uh, it's not a terrible it's thing. Okay. It's okay. It's solid. It, yeah. It, it's solid four years ago. Yeah. And then it has just, just been static yeah. since. It doesn't make sense. Did you see the stat where it was Rizzo, 
Bryant, Baez, and like Contreras, and they went 14 for like 120 at bats from the 2017 postseason on. That is awful. And when they lost to the Marlins this year, yeah. like I almost didn't have my computer like right now because it was ready to go against the wall. Um, I remember watching that. Yeah. Yeah. Terrible. I could probably do it. I could probably do that back. <laughs> we should have tried out. I think I could bat 14 for 120. I could too. Yeah. Yeah. We should try it though for sure. It's it was te- it was terrible to watch. Um but, yeah, no, I definitely uh, will give it to the White Sox that they're going to own baseball in town this year. 100%. But a lot's going on in the MLB. The Blue Jays, I think, really, really. Yeah, they're going to be young. They're going to be on the come up, especially with the addition of Springer and uh, Kirby Yates coming mm-hmm. out of the bullpen. Yep. A lot to be excited for if you're a Blue Jays fan, if you're a Padres fan. When can you not be excited if you're a Dodgers fan because they just bring everybody in. And the Yankees, no matter what you do, no matter who you bring in, you're never going to make the World Series. So that's on them. It's been kind of tough for them. Yeah, let it be. So, Brayden, the number one pick was Anthony Edwards. Can you tell us a little bit about him? Is he flying under the radar in terms of what he should be doing? Or is he excelling at his play right now? Uh, he, he's doing okay. Uh, I'm going to remind everybody that uh, all these rookies came in with no rookie league, no G League play or anything, straight NBA, barely knowing their teammates and stuff. But uh, Anthony Edwards, he had kind of a rough start. Uh, he's he's kind of getting comfortable, averaging 17 points um, and shooting 42.9% from three over his last seven games. Um, <clears throat> in total, in his 24 games played, he's averaging 14 points, 37 almost 38% field goal percentage, three rebounds, and two assists a game. Um, He's kind of split his play between small forward and power forward in his time in Minnesota. Um, He's better when he's going to the basket. His Mm. his three-point skills could get better, but right now it's just not where he wants to be behind the three-point line. Well, I don't think he's where he should be overall. He's the number one pick. I don't think he's living up to his potential. I get Delos there as your point guard. Cat is the center. Cat's been out though a lot because of COVID. Yeah. Um, I don't. I don't feel he's yeah. playing good it's, enough. It's decent, just not where you want your number one pick to be. Yeah, they're a pretty bad team. Though, yeah. Other than those three names we just mentioned. Yeah. So. And I don't think the pick. I personally said they needed Lamelo Ball, but obviously they chose Anthony Edwards. And I think they botched. I'm not gonna say they botched the draft, but it's definitely I grade it a B minus C plus pick. I don't think this is this pick necessarily will help them get to where they want to. And I think right now, obviously, saying Timberwolves and NBA Finals in the same sense, that doesn't yeah. happen. Even saying them as the sixth seed in the same sense, I think that's rare. And I think once they get to like a six or a five seed, then it's like we could start talking and they're one good move away from being a championship team. But Edwards, I don't know if this is this is the answer for them. And I, I don't think they botched it, but I don't think this was the ideal pick here. I mean, he's only 19 years old, fresh, just thrown right into the league. Yeah. So, I mean, kind of reminds kinda me of uh, Kyrie Irving when he was with the Cavs his first year. For sure. Yeah. I, I, I understand, but, you know, there's guys that are also coming in at 19 years old. And even just look at the guys in his class. I mean, yeah. LaMelo Ball and James Wiseman. Or look at guys like Zion Williamson, R.J. Barrett. 
they're they're having such big impacts on their team. Like DeAndre Ayton, the number one pick a few years ago. Everyone was snubbing him a little, obviously, because he got suspended because of the drugs, uh, using PEDs. But in the end, that was huge for them to get that pick up and then get Chris Paul and Devin Booker. But aside from that, I don't know. This is totally what the Timberwolves needed. They might have not taken this one too well. Yeah. So... Uh, with that negativity towards the Timberwolves, we'll shoot back uh, to champs of 2015, 2017, and 2018. Six overall titles in their organization. The Golden State Warriors. Yes, the Golden State Warriors are. Uh, ooh, they were not in title contention last year. Went from having Steph, Clay, Dre, KD to having none. Uh, just Draymond at one point last year. Not um, winning some games. Pardon? <laughs> <laughs> So that'll win you some games. Yeah. So uh, going into this season, obviously, they had the number two overall pick. And I, I, I said this, Mark. I said last year, I said if they can get a top three pick, they will be back in the finals this year. Well, Clay Torres Achilles, so I'm giving them another year. Mark, what, how do you feel James Wiseman has been performing this year? Uh, has he been bringing what he needs to bring to the table in terms of what he needs to do for the Warriors? Uh, well, like you said, that roster is stacked, and they have Steph and Clay and Draymond, and they had KD at one point, but that's four guys. You're missing one guy, and that is a center, and I think they got their franchise center in James Wiseman. Agreed. Um, he, a seven-footer that can shoot the three, he's shooting 40% from three right now, Um and as a rookie, as a big man, I think that's incredible. Uh, 50% from the field. He's averaging about 12 points per game, six rebounds. I think given the circumstances, that's very good for a rookie who was thrown into the league, like Braden said. Easily, yeah. Um, but yeah, they Steph and Clay, the Splash Bros, they needed a guy, a scrapper on the boards. A guy who can play outside of position, his position and shoot the three. Um, and James Wiseman is very much so living up to his potential. Yeah, and if you look at the league's most successful centers today, you have like Nikola Jokic, Joel Embiid. These are all guys that, you know, you can't leave them open from three. Yeah. So, yeah, maybe Joel Embiid. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it's he's he's a better shooter than his point guard, Ben Simmons. Mm-hmm. So Cat. it's like... Cat, Cat can hit threes. Uh, he's a good Bam. shooter. Anthony Davis. So it's like Bam. Uh, he's probably worse than Joel Embiid. <laughs> yeah, um, but either way, you got like the center position is now like you can shoot. Like they can shoot and make shots. So spread in the floor. Exactly. He's he already looks like that type of center. So I agree. He's a promising player for the Warriors. Yeah. Uh, it's it's turning into positionless basketball is what the NBA is turning into, and. James Wiseman fits that perfectly, I think. I agree, and I feel that watching, obviously, you know, the 27, maybe 2015, it was a little trickier, but for the back-to-backs in 17 and 18, obviously they were fine with you know, their, their two guards and their two forwards. But the center, I always noticed that that would switch every game. Um, and even the 2019 finals where they yeah. lost to Toronto. Bogey, yeah. If it, it, Bogey was your main guy in the first one, and Who's then he the other guy. And then he left, and then it was yeah. a lot of Kevon Looney. Yeah, Looney. Uh, 
DeMarcus Cousins in terms of two years ago. Exactly. And it was just so confusing watching him. You never knew what was going to happen. And I think it's important to have a team establish a center because, say for example, say the Warriors were in the East, right? And say they played LeBron and AD Lakers. Who's going to guard Anthony Davis? Granted, yeah. Kevin Durant and all that. But Who's going to guard him in the, in the conference finals? I don't think Wiseman can guard AD. No. I mean, there's few that can. There's, yeah, it's just... But, it's like, especially Wiseman. Like, there's guys, like, that you can put on KD who play in the West that mm-hmm. can, like, put up a fight against AD. But you throw this... I think he's 19, 20-year-old rookie on him. No chance. But you gotta learn eventually. It's a good kind... For me, Some uh, putting someone against... Putting a rookie up against uh, a pure experienced vet like Anthony Davis, one of the best at what he does, that's a it's a huge perspective thing for me. That puts it in perspective for you, and now you know how to work to get to that. So do you do you not think that Draymond is just gonna really coach him up while he's there? That's the thing that I was gonna get to. <laughs> um, having a defensive minded guy like Draymond. Helping this offensive-minded rookie, who's a seven-foot guy, mm-hmm. is huge for their team because they need defense out of this guy if they're gonna compete in the West with all these power teams. Exactly. And with uh, oh, and we just have uh, some uh, shocking, breaking news. Whoa! Uh, New York has talked to the Cubs about trading for Chris Bryant and the Reds. Uh, for Eugenio Suarez for this offseason. Uh, the Mets are Mets. calling the That'd Cubs. That'd be crazy. Oh, my God. Wow. Um, okay, I kind of just skipped a couple heartbeats there. Uh, <laughs> wow. Um, so back to the uh, NBA. And like you are saying with defense, he could coach him up there for defense. But think about it. He's also got two of the best shooters of all time. Yeah. So he, that offense will be there. That defense will be there. I feel like Clay Thompson's also a very good defender. Yeah, could you imagine this team if Clay was healthy right now? And Kelly Oubre dropping forty points a week ago. Yeah, Sheesh. yeah, that's a. They don't have Wiggins anymore, right? Where did no. Wiggins go? He's with Timberwolves, right? He was. He was. He was. Oh, then he went. To he's the on. Um, is he on the Spurs? Mm-mm. Is he with the? No, that just that's. That's gonna piss me off. Oh, I know this. I should know. Well, folks, while we figure out where Andrew Wiggins is I right mean, now, he still says he's on the Warriors. I think he, I think he's injured, or is he playing bench? He is on the Warriors. He is on, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. How do they have any money, bro? I don't know. Rich get richer. My friend, yeah. So obviously, they just built a yeah stadium. It's incredible, by the way. That's what like a dynasty pays you, right? That's how, <laughs> that's what you get. Well, shifting from the Warriors, we're going to go to the number three overall pick, who is a very much uh, highly contender for Rookie of the Year, LaMelo Ball. A lot of people didn't think this was uh, a good choice. Uh, They thought that it would be another Lonzo situation where you're a top three pick, doesn't end up doing much, and then he's just kind of a sixth man for other teams. LaMelo went third. It went Edwards Wiseman. Ball. Wow. And, uh, with LaMelo, everyone questioned just, you know, how 
the experience he had, never had the college experience, never got all four years of high school. A lot of speculation, but I'm going to give credit to LeVar Ball here. A few years ago, someone wrote in a newspaper that he's the worst sports parent ever. And I disagree because I Pete Maravich's father, was. I think there was drugs involved there. LeVar has raised this, you know, minus LiAngelo's decision in China. Those three guys have grown up well. Yeah. They're fantastic basketball players. I'm still shocked LiAngelo's not in the NBA. But they all have a lot, a lot of skill. With LaMelo, obviously scoring is huge. When he's open, he's going to shoot it. And he mostly makes it. I mean, he was a, not bad. He was a shooter when he was younger. He was, you know, he would shoot a lot. His shot's kind of broke, but other than that. Yeah, as long as he makes it. Yeah. And the passing. Oh, my goodness. Miles Bridges, it's it's Lob City, and it's Lob City went from the Clippers to the Hornets, I believe. I think that that has become official. Uh, Lamelo's having great numbers. Uh, he's averaging fourteen points a game, five rebounds, six assists. That is what you want from a rookie. It's balanced, but there's more scoring what you need. And then everyone always questioned the move by his father. You know. He was at Chino Hills his freshman and sophomore year. And obviously his freshman year, arguably a top three high school team of all time with Lonzo and LiAngelo going like 35-0, and winning the state title. And then the coach left after his sophomore year, the year he had 92 points in that one game. And LeVar said, I don't... No. I forgot he scored 90 points in that high school game. <laughs> yeah. But it actually is found out 72 of those points were legit. He only cherry-picked like... And uh, so his father pulled him out of there and took him to Pernai, Lithuania, to play. And his stats there were not were terrible. I'll even say right here, it's, he played eight games. Uh, he averaged six and a half points, two assists, and a rebound. No, you hear that? Uh, no. He started one game. Ja- LiAngelo was probably, I think, one of the main contributors there. And everyone's like, this was a disaster. This was terrible for him. It didn't get him anywhere. I, I disagree. I think this put this in pers- put the pros in perspective for him. This is Lithuania, not a big basketball country. And he did nothing. That obviously had to get the gears cranking in his head. Okay, that's Lithuania. What's the NBA going to be like? Or what would the NCAA be like? So he comes back, plays in the JBL. Uh, league his father created uh, wins. It only that league only lasted one season. Won a title with the Los Angeles Ballers with his brother, and then they put together a national team to take over to Europe. And they played countries. And if anyone's seen the video of uh, Lamelo slapping that one guy, uh, that's what happened. They were on a, a tour of like Team USA, I guess, for the JBL. Took on everybody. Comes back. He wanted to play a senior year at Spire Academy. Played with. Michigan State outstanding point guard Rocket Watts, and a lot of those guys are. I think uh, Isaiah Jackson. He's playing for Kentucky right now. Played with a lot of those guys, and the talent there was unbelievable. Which only prepared him for Illawarra, if I'm saying that right, in Australia. He played 12 games. Tw- started all 12. He averaged 17 points. Seven rebounds, six about seven assists actually, and a, almost two steals a game, and two and uh, almost a block. That, that is where I believe in Australia that it became official that this man was going to be a top three pick. Let me tell you, mm-hmm. 
I believe that you sound just like Sports Center and Bleacher Report. <laughs> Every other post is LaMelo Ball. I would agree. Some, you definitely were a big baller. Yeah, I think you're pretty hype about LaMelo here. I kind of am. I'm not going to lie. It's safe to say he's been in the media for a long time since his father and since Lonzo has been in the league. He has He knows what it's like to be in the spotlight. So, you know, maybe some of those other rookies that weren't used to the big lights yet. Mm-hmm. He's been all over the world already. So. Yeah. And he had to play against his brother, Lonzo, and Angel. I mean, you know, competing with them growing up, then that, you know, that sets an edge with you. Yeah, I still think Lonzo is very overrated. Yeah. Yes. Angelo isn't in the league. So, I mean, obviously that's a basketball-centered family, but, yeah, there's not, not taken away from his skill at all, mm-hmm. but... Going back to Anthony Edwards, swap them. Mm-hmm. What do you think? I think Lamelo. They probably would still be talking about him because he's Lamelo Ball. But Anthony Edwards, given the situation on the Hornets, he might be doing a lot better. Yeah. They've got a lot better team. Yeah, I don't. I honestly, I do. Uh, I talk. I got some friends who are Timberwolves fans, and they really wish they took Lamelo Ball. Obviously, they can't take James Wiseman because catch their center, their uh, franchise center. Mm-hmm. D'Lo is a somewhat long-term point guard, and they kind of had to go with that forward. Now, LaMelo could play a stretch guard, maybe even, maybe even a stretch forward just because of the height. He's 6'7". Yeah. And you put him in that situation, I say he does fine. He'd probably be okay. I think Edwards is still a bit of a problem for the Timberwolves, but we'll see if he can resolve that. And what LaMelo's doing in the NBA right now is... It's amazing. I think he's on his way to winning Rookie of the Year. Unless James, I think James Wiseman's right behind him. Yeah. Uh, just because he's finally bringing the, uh, the, uh, what's the word, the eliteness to a center position on the Warriors, which has been lacking. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what I've got on LiAngelo Ball. And now to my team, the Chicago Bulls, we've got Brennan. Just gonna analyze Patrick Williams here. What do you got, Brennan? Yeah. Also, my team as well. Let's go. Um, this one was personal for me, so that's why I chose it. It was Michael Jordan. It became personal for me, me. Um, <laughs> no, as a as a Chicago sports fan, it was safe to say when he was when Patrick Williams was drafted fourth overall, the Chicago Bulls had like three or four years in a row where they were drafting number seven Lowry, every single year. Yeah, it, it was Lowry, Wendell, Kobe. All seven threes in a row. So it was like finally after four years of, or just years of being pretty bad, getting these top ten picks, but we just couldn't get like that lottery in the top five. Um, And then finally the Bulls got rid of guard packs. They're long overdue getting rid of some of their management. (laughs) Brought in this new guy, the Nuggets. He was from the Nuggets. Um, Our terrorist Christian Irvins. Yep, I wasn't even going (laughs) to attempt it, but he's Josh has got it for me. I think I got Um, it. Everyone was so excited to see what the new management was going to do, only to select this glorified sixth man out of Florida State University who didn't even average 10 points a game. Um, But most of Chicago, during the draft, you probably, like, all the hype was around, you know, who was going to be at that four pick, probably not the three that we already discussed. True. So it was like, what if... um, you know, Obi Toppin's going to be there, the Naismith Player of the Year in college, 2020, or Denny Abdija, the guy, uh, Israel's top prospect. Um, but now, I think it's safe to say Patrick Williams, 
between those two guys I just mentioned that was all the hype around, he's better than both of them. I agree. And he averages just over 10 points a game, does so on 47% shooting, which is pretty good, Yeah. along with being an 83% free throw shooter. Mm-hmm. So the Huskers could never. Um, what's most exciting is that the guy actually shows an interest in playing defense. Um, he's got a long way to go, obviously, but I think it's promising. I think he could be, if it wasn't for some of these top guys being in you know, probably better offensive positions than he is, he could probably be up there for one of the better rookies this year. I, I agree. I don't obviously I don't know about rookie of the year because no. uh, aside from James Wiseman and Lamelo Ball, Tyrese Halliburton is someone to consider. But with Patrick Williams, I'm watching a lot of the games this year because even okay, yeah, I will admit I ripped the hair out of my head when they picked him. I was like, that's the one guy I don't want. But then when you're sixth man of the year, there's just something to said to be. There's something to be said about your hustle and. Uh, your effort that you put into the game. And I actually wasn't afraid. And the fact that the man shoots basically 50%, and I'm not kidding, every time the ball goes in the air, I'm like, there's a good chance it's going in. And it does. Uh, you just gotta work on not traveling. He has a little trouble with that. He's, he's not the best ball handler, but. He's three point shooting. And then I watched the Lakers Clippers games. Those were two of the. Two in three days, you know, they had a break in between. And he had to guard LeBron James and then Kawhi Leonard. Yeah. And he, LeBron and Kawhi both said it. Man's got a game. Yeah. He's got a bright future. Now, everyone always says, that's what the vets are supposed to say. They're supposed to hype up the rookies. No. Like, I feel when you say that, you mean it. No, yeah, I agree. And those are two of, like, the best players in the league right now. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, to get any hype from LeBron is, like, any rookie's dream, I'm sure. Exactly. And it does help when you're being put on it. Um, so yeah, no, I 100% agree with you. I think his defense is one of his highlights. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the offense can only grow, but it's pretty crazy how literally a start, not even a starter from one of the, not even one of the nation's best college teams last year mm-hmm. has turned out to be such a, such a good fit. It, I think it shows true to how good this, uh, Arturis guy can be for the Bulls. I agree. Okay, now we are going to go to the fifth overall pick, our analysis for Isaac Okoro. Maddie, is he underperforming? Is he exceeding expectations? What is he bringing to the Cavs so far this up to this point in the season? As of now, I still believe it's a little too early to tell, but his stats are a little bit disappointing. Um, the Cavs really didn't have any other option, and they drafted him just for need, and they ended up taking a big chance. Um, In college, his average points per game were 13, and right now in the NBA, they're down to 8. So you don't want to see that coming from a rookie. Same with the three-point percentage. Um, It actually did increase from 28% to 29. So he's got one stat going for him, but so far, his stats are pretty average, and if they don't improve by the end of the season, it will be disappointing as a rookie for the Cavs. Yeah, I agree. I think... I could speak for all of you guys on this. I mean, maybe, maybe besides Obi Toppin, the amazing, you know, amazing player of the year for college last year, I don't really think they had another option here. I think this is somebody they felt uh, would work well with Colin Sexton, Kevin Love, um, Kevin Porter. Was Okoro Ohio State or Iowa oh, State? Oh, Iowa State. State. Uh, so he played in the Big 12, obviously. I thought Okoro Okur- was Auburn. He was Auburn, yeah. Oh, okay. oh, I think I'm thinking. I'm thinking of a Halliburton. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. My bad, folks. Um, so just yeah, I would say underperforming definitely for sure. 
And it's Cleveland's roster is like becomes like surprisingly sneaky this year. Mm-hmm. Um, they've got a young squad other than old man Kevin Love. Yeah, um, but other than him, they've got what Colin Sexton, Kevin Porter Jr. Uh, we've seen Colin Sexton has been able to step up to the plate uh, this season. They got they got Andre Drummond. Andre Drummond, who's just like a twenty twenty machine. Uh, Jared Allen too, Darius Garland. Yeah, they just got Jared Allen. That was a good pickup by them as well. Yeah, all part of that James Harden trade. Honestly, I think the Cavs got one of the better deals out of all of it. They were just like, they didn't have to give up much. And they just get a sweet player in Jared Allen. He's young as well. So, mm-hmm. I think they're sitting nice. They've, I would agree that it's probably too, too early to tell for a blow. But, but obviously underperforming. Yeah. yeah. Obviously, not where you want to be as a rookie. Exactly. Shooting under thirty percent from three is isn't fantastic either. Yeah. Especially, I'm pretty sure he was. He was hit the twenty eight percent from Auburn. Was that his college stats for shooting? Yeah. Point shooting. Okay. So that's not really good either. I thought Auburn was one of the better shooting teams. And I feel. As of a small four, as a small forward in the NBA, that's someone that's got to be able to knock down their shots. Because, like Mark was talking about earlier with James Wiseman, everyone's game now to score. It's not like back in the old days where it's uh, you set so and so up to score and they just pass and play defense. Now everyone is game to put twenty points up on the board. Anybody could. And uh, yeah, the Cavs definitely, like you said, you have a sneaky lineup. If Okoro can improve, that's a dangerous lineup. I don't know about winning the the central because uh, Milwaukee right now I mean, they're just they're going yeah. uh, obviously a choke playoff team but in regu- they're one of the best regular season teams. They're Detroit. like a Notre Dame. Well, I can see it. You just went there. <laughs> I did. Wow. Wow. I can see it. I can't say it because he's a Boston fan. All they do is win. They're like the Saints. You like the Saints? No. <laughs> I'm saying like the Saints. Oh, like the Saints? Right. Choke playoff team. Yeah, they, they got kind of screwed though. By who? Tom yeah. Brady? No, he got beat. Oh, they got kicked Okay, they got Vikings. screwed against the Rams. They got screwed against the Rams, Vikings. That's fair. And there's a couple instances. Just remember 17 seconds, Mark. Oh, I will. I hope you remember it. Always. I hope you remember. Doink. Yeah, I do. Uh, that was rude. I that do. was rude. And it hurts every day. Wait, wait. Just one. I forgot another doink. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that wasn't for a title. <laughs> yes, folks. I am still haunted by Cody Parkey, and I find it funny that he went five for six in his career for field goals, and that one missed one. Uh, it's a shot at Bears fans. Well, thank you for all who tuned into this Garage Talk episode. We'll talk to you guys next week. Uh, we'll hit on topics all over sports, whatever's hot, and we can't wait uh, to talk to you guys next week. This has been Josh Lil, Brendan Merkel, Mark Fisher, Maddie Anderson, and Braden Robinson. See y'all next week. Have a good weekend. Go Huskers.